0: Welcome to Spotlights, a series of online events and publications focusing on a particular group of victim survivors who are often hidden from services. As part of Safe Life Spotlight on honour-based violence and forced marriage, my colleague Deirdre has met with Shagufta Khan, CEO of Blackburn and Darwin District Without Abuse. Shagufta talks about honour-based violence with a particular focus on children and young people, how they can experience the abuse and the impact this might have on them. We hope you find the interview as enlightening as we have.
1: Hello. How are you? Thanks for joining me today. Can you just start out
2: by telling me who you are, a bit about yourself? Uh, My name is Shugufta Khan, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Blackburn and Darwin District Without Abuse, um, a specialist domestic abuse charity based in Blackburn and locally known as the Wish Centre. When you and I chatted for the first time and talked about what this podcast
1: topic might be, you said you wanted to focus on children and young people's experiences of
2: honour-based abuse. I did, um, and and that really, uh, when we were talking, we were, you know, we, we often focus on the adult um, in the relationship and rightly so um, and there's a lot of support and awareness around an adult suffering um, domestic abuse which might be linked also to forced marriage or honour-based abuse. But I think quite often um, we don't focus on um, the children in, in that situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So for me, um, there are two ways of looking at children and young people. Mm-hmm. One is where they are directly affected by Um, forced marriage um, or or, um, they they could potentially be a victim of a forced marriage so that's been discussed in the family. Does that happen quite Um, early on? That can happen quite early on so when we support the adult uh, we would always especially if there are children in that relationship we would always ask whether that has ever been discussed or ever been mentioned or whether that's an issue Um, and quite often that's been discussed at quite an early age so when you've got children- especially girls uh, and it is usually um girls which are affected by this, although we've had um, young male victims as well a forced mm. marriage, but predominantly it is the, it is the females where it can be when they're from the age of eight upwards um when parents might start thinking about or or the abusive uh, parent might start thinking about the marriages of those of those um children in that relationship um but the, on the other side of it is where um, children are often manipulated or used um, uh, as perpetrators in, in, a, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, where children can be, um, when the mum's split up from, uh, uh, from that relationship, to, so the mother's left the home, the children are used to spy on the, on the mother and feed back to the extended family right? Yeah, or uh, coerced into um, becoming abusive. Okay. Um, to, to the to the mother, um, and that is something that which have we have seen. Um, I myself have seen as a practitioner, and now I'm, yeah. I'm seeing that in the in the service where um, you know the other advisors are coming and saying to me that this is going on. What how how do we deal with this situation? Mm. Or what do we do with this scenario? Yeah, um, and it seems to be a really quite a common thing that that happens in um, South Asian families, yeah. um, where where the mother's trying to leave the family home, extended family members, or the father are using children um, to coerce um, or, or, or to be abusive to, yeah. the, to the parent.
1: When we did the last spotlight on young people, um, part of it was looking at young people who harm and we found that there, a lot of harm is directed towards the mother who often has experienced domestic abuse from her partner. How does honour-based violence come into it as opposed to another form of domestic abuse is it the extended
2: family involvement? Uh, it is the extended family involvement and, and and some of the some of the nature so when, I, when I've spoken when I've dealt with the cases myself or when I've spoken to other practitioners they say there is a very uh, there's there is a definite difference mm-hmm. in the way children are used so for, for example um, uh, one of the workers um, she uh, was talking about a case in supervision where she was saying that Um, the mother-in-law is exerting a lot of pressure. um, uh, And this was a very young child um, that she was sort of saying to him that your mother's not feeding you properly. You must demand that your mother makes you this, your mother makes you that. Okay. Um, uh, You know, if if your mother doesn't make you this, she's not uh, feeding you what you should be eating. So the child is then coming home and demanding that you need to make me this and you need to make me that. And it's very precise and very... Um, a, a very definite form of, uh, you know, control almost from from that young uh, from that young child yeah. um, to his mother. Um, that if you don't do, and I won't, won't eat anything else that you've made unless you make me what my uh, grandma's asked asked uh, for you to make me. Wow. Um, so that is very different. Um, and it's that because she's left? It's a it's a way of still exerting yeah. control. Exerting control. Yeah. Or, um, you know, we we have we've had uh, um, another case, for example, where um, this was the father. This was an extended family, where the father was using the children. Um, so he he'd given the uh, the twelve year old um, cameras to put in the in the property, yeah. um, uh, and um, you know, given uh, the twelve year old sleeping tablets to put into the mother's food. Wow. You know, there's it's very different to the abuse that we see happening in other situations where usually the abuse is um, around child contact. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in in a non-BME family where children are used, they're used as pawns usually, um, okay. and they're used in, in a child contact scenario. So um, the children are used uh, by the abusive partner as a way of get in contact with the, with the partner that, you know, that is left. Yeah. Um, and that is the scenario that you see happening time and time again. Yeah. Um, but this form of abuse is a very different form of abuse that you see in BME uh, situations, hmm. where the child is used to manipulate. we have yeah. had cases where we have had children coming to a refuge accommodation, um, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds um, squaring up to refuge workers, uh, why, why do you want to come into? why do you want to talk to my mother... Um, you shouldn't be talking to my mother, you know. Or, or they sit in and they refuse to leave the room. Um, they're taking on a very perpetrator type role. Where, yeah. Um, um, you know, my mother must do this, or my uh, sister must do this, or they must behave in this way. Um, yeah. And, they, and they're quite challenging to staff from a very young age. You've got six, seven-year-old boys sort of taking on that role of the of the male in the family, um, and the, and the, the girls, the females in the family, must do what they're saying because they are now the man of the house. Uh, and that is very learned behaviour. Um, mm. Very difficult to un- unpin and un- undo. Um, because often the, the mothers have not been allowed to parent or have not been able to parent. Mm. So it's, it's a very different scenario then, isn't it, for the, for us to then educate them and teach them that, no, that is your role. Um, you are the parent. This is the child. And this is what you must do. And this is how you must... Yeah. And by the time that they do learn
1: that, the power yeah. dynamics must have really, really shifted Yeah. so that it can be less well, it'll be difficult to actually yeah. assert yourself because there might be some danger in that. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. So you talk about how the, the children um, and young people are involved in, in the abuse in two ways. Either they're witnessing it or sometimes becoming a part of it, and I'm guessing in lots yeah. of circumstances both. In both.
2: Or, or, or there's a massive overlap. Yeah. So, um, in the in the scenario where um, I sort of mentioned about the, the, the child being um, used to put cameras in the house, etc., that that um, the abuse from the part, from the father was directly towards the children, where they were being chastised, physically chastised yeah. by by the by the father. Um, so the older uh, child was trying to be protective towards the younger siblings mm-hmm. in that scenario and and it almost was a way of, if I do what Dad's asking me to do, then um, th- we won't, I won't get hit, my younger siblings won't get hit. And he's trying to take on that protective role. Yeah. Um, and in that situation, I suppose, you've got those dynamics, haven't I mean, you, where um, children often associate themselves or align themselves with the stronger parent. Yeah. Uh, and in this situation, it, it, often it's the abusive parent. Yeah. Um, so to protect themselves and to protect maybe the siblings, I'm better off aligning myself to this parent than the weaker one. Um, so you've got you've got those uh, situations, or those scenarios playing out. where um, the children are having to make those decisions at a very young age. Um, where do I feel safer? And what is the best thing for me to do in this situation? It's a survival tactic. A survival tactic. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Kind of in your experiences of young people who've been involved in that honor-based abuse. Mm. I'm guessing the impact is very similar to the to any young person who's experienced
2: domestic abuse, or is there a difference, or what have you found on, around the impact on their well-being? Um, around honour-based abuse. So if you if you've got this scenario where you're being manipulated, not just by um, you, you know an abusive uh, parent, but also by extended family, it, it's it must be very very difficult and very challenging for that young person then to decide on what do I, what is the right thing for me to do now, mm. because what they're hearing from multiple people is that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and agencies are telling them, or professionals are telling them, that no, this is not the right thing to do. Um, but the whole family, the whole the, the whole the, world, the, the whole world uh, that yeah. they've grown up in is. Um, what what we, what we've also found is that um, it's also very much led uh, by the males in the family. So you've, where you've got boys in 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 the family, it's very much about um, this is what a man's um, you know right is, or this is how women are treated. Mm. you 've got you 've got those sort of values being ingrained um which have got very different you know dangerous connotations to them further down the line and outcomes but, and outcomes um but yeah. those are those are instilled in and we 've seen that more in the boys in the family than you than you do in the girls in the family mm. um, so in in one in one particular situation this one where the child with well, the eight year old was um telling his mother you, I, you must cook me this and i must eat this and you know um I, I won't eat anything else. He was also very abusive to his younger sibling, his younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so the abuse was towards the, the two females in that in that family home. He was the only boy who was a brother and sister. So that
1: kind of attitude and um, um of woman yeah. it becomes normalised because yeah. it's not just your father, but it's all the men all, in the yeah. family. And then it sounds like in that situation, it's the the older women as well that are condoning oh, oh, that behaviour yeah, and yeah. teaching it. And teaching it,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, and for the girls as well, I'm guessing that becomes normalised. Yeah. As that's how men act, and that's because, how I respond. Yeah, uh, I mean, one of the things that this little boy was was doing was um, he he the, the school sort of raised it as an issue, and the school identified the abuse um, and identified some very uh, strange behaviour that was happening with this with this young boy. How he was being manipulated it was when he started up when he attacked his sister in the playground and beat his sister up quite badly mm-hmm. um, because she was um, playing with. Um, a, a white British girl, um, and he was saying, "But, dad, but, daddy's told us that we're not supposed to do this." And right. you know, it, and a lot of it, lot of the issues when they first came to the attention was to do with racial behaviour. Mm. But when you unpicked it all and when when intervention started taking place with that family, yeah. there was domestic abuse um, that was going on in the family home. But the school identified a racial issue, and that's how it was identified as a yeah. as a factor, you know. But when you delved into it the domestic abuse that was going on was quite quite horrific really um, yeah. um, and obviously when uh, you know, children's services became involved and um, the case escalated to other agencies and mum left the family home and we started working with her and, and, and uh, the children um, and the children came onto our programs when we started unpicking all of that there was so, so much that was un- uncovered uh, where um, the whole family then united against the mother, um, so the whole extended family. And this little boy, every time he had contact with family, the, the abuse started again. Every time the contact was finished, he he, he was OK. Um, and start, we, we could work with him. And that was quite a difficult scenario then to sort of break him away from his extended family mm. who were having such a negative impact on him. And that must be traumatising for him. That's yeah. his support but, network, his family. Right? Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, he's just then associ- associating agencies... With the fact that agents are involved, therefore I'm not, in, I can't have contact with my grandparents and uncles and uh, father. So for an eight-year-old child, that's very difficult to understand. It's very sad. Very sad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And do you find that in in circumstances where there are children and there's honour-based abuse going on? Is it almost always that children become involved in some level, or is that only in certain circumstances that children become involved? Can they
2: be? It's, it's not. It's not in all situations. Yeah. In, in a lot of situations, there are the children are used um, by extended family as a way of um, controlling um, the 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 victim that's left the family home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in 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 a, in a situation which which is um, where there is no honor issue or no, there is no cultural um, aspects to it. You would often see children. Um, extended family don't have that control over the children. It, it's dad who wants contact. Yeah. Um, whether he wants contact with the children or whether he wants contact with the partner, it's you know it's it, it's still difficult and challenging to deal with. But not you don't have these challenges mm. that you do in in the South Asian community yeah. um, where boys are prized um uh, and thought of very highly of yeah um and it's very difficult to uh for the family to think that you know people lost that contact with their children um often you have people living in extended families in joint families even if they don't live in the same family home the network in the community is so tightly knit that you have a lot of contact with your extended family every day yeah um that you don't in, in some other communities yeah. um so it's very difficult for that family to think now I don't have any contact with that child that child is no longer in my control if you will yeah. um, so they will try their best to keep that, that contact and maintain that contact mm. um, so I suppose in, in, in a large proportion of cases you will have cases where you will have manipulation from the family and children will be directly involved in that
0: yeah
1: and in your experience how has I mean it's obviously a huge safeguarding issue mm. Um. But it's not a stereotypical one for child safeguarding to deal with children's services. How do you feel they typically respond? Do you feel like they have a grasp or understanding of the type and extent
2: of abuse that's going on with that child and are able to respond to it or i don't I don't think they do uh, for a start with with children's services um and under and under the remit of children's services of CAFCAS or other other organizations contact with both parties is something that's promoted yeah
1: um
2: and you know you've that's got like had, the starting place that's the starting place yeah you know, so you, so when it, when you have a, a an assessment you look at contact as the heart of that assessment isn't it really yeah. um and even if you go to a child protection or child in need um uh, meetings you you're inviting both parties there's an openness there's a dialogue all, mm-hmm. all of that is is something that is underpins everything that, that, that it children... It comes services. from a basis that a child is better off with both parents with, with, involved. With both parents involved. Yeah. Um, so where you've got that issue going on anyway, where you've got domestic abuse, we've got... Um, we've got scenarios where we we sort of advocating that, you know, possibly contact is not the right thing or contact shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. You've got those issues going on in, in, in a case, in normal domestic abuse cases. Yeah. Where you've got the additional layer of honor abuse, it just is something that is just not on anybody's radar. I find where we've got cases um, uh, where uh, children are being manipulated or used by extended family, you've okay. often got the extended family sat in the child protection case in conferences and child well, in need conferences. Um, either the mother will bring su- uh, su- some support with her, but often she doesn't have any support with her because her family is not directly uh, is, not, is not, with her in, the, in, the, in this country um, or is not supportive of her leaving the uh, relationship in the first place. So she's sat very isolated and you've got father with all the extended family around uh, the conference table which was so intimidating and uh, they don't often clock the no no the manipulation no, or coercion involved in no. that we've had we've had one um, very recent child protection well, it's still it's still on child in need i think in this case where um you know uh, the mother was made to feel that it was a parenting issue that you know the children's abuse and the children's behavior was a parenting issue it wasn't an issue where it was even recognised that these children were being manipulated it was almost like the blame was put on the mother Mm. that you're not parenting appropriately Um, so the whole thing wasn't unpicked or uh, opened up or not even recognised all those children are actually suffering a lot of emotional harm and damage which mm. is going to have a lasting impact on them.
1: And as much as she changes her parenting it's not going to change anything that's, that's because not, no. the
2: actual cause of it is, yeah. is still a factor yeah. that's it's, not being addressed if no. they don't understand No, because the children are being manipulated every time they go and have contact with father and extended family yeah. that this is what you must do and this is what you must say and this is how you must behave towards the mother So So yeah. how do you think that needs to be addressed? I think there needs, there needs to be an understanding and a recognition of um, from children services from IROs um, when 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 they're chairing these conferences. That you see whether it's safe to have these extended family members in the conference room. Mm-hmm. Um, what is their role in there? And why are they there? Yeah. Um, and also, you know, what if, if if the if the child is if the mother is saying that every time the child has contact with the extended family and comes back home and this is what the child's doing, listen to what the mother is saying. You know. Yeah. Look at that. Look at the wider picture, um, and maybe challenge some of the cultural um, things that people don't want to challenge for various reasons. Um, that yeah need, that need to be challenged.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that's come up in other interviews I've had is that pro- professionals are afraid to address what's going on because of fear of um, I guess stereotyping or yeah. uh, being offensive. Yeah. on any level. Is that something you've
2: experienced? Or? That's, some, that's something we've experienced. So one, one um, the scenario could be that they don't recognise it, and two, they do recognise it, but they don't know how to deal with it. So mm-hmm. it's in the too difficult to deal with box. So let's not open that box up because it might bring up things that we don't know how to respond to. Let's just deal with what we do know. Um, but you've, if you've got these additional factors that are happening or going on, unless you open that box up and look at it and actually unpick everything that's going on, you're not going to deal with the yeah. um, the root cause of the problem.
1: Um, Nothing will change for her, no, for the
2: children, and no. the behaviour will be
1: perpetuated. For you, yeah, maybe. exactly, exactly. So, the young person or the child kind of experiences abuse within the household, and that has all the negative impacts that we know that it has on their well being. Um, and they see the way the men in the family act towards the women in some circumstances. How do you feel that affects them in their later life
2: as adults? it's going to affect the way they have, um, you know, they conduct their own relationships in the future. Yeah. Um, And what we find is, and what I I find really, really strange is in scenarios where you've got the females in the house sort of um, endorsing this behaviour that, you know, this is how you must treat your mother or this is how you must treat your sister, they're endorsing that behaviour that this is how you must treat females. Mm. And the backlash is that this this is how they're going to treat you as well in the future. Um, Right, yeah. So it's almost not understanding that when you're... Um, you know giving these values to a, to a, a young man um, what are you actually creating for the future And how, for yourself, for as, yourself well. as well yeah. uh,
1: how do you feel it needs to be addressed I mean I know that um, sex and relationship education is now becoming a mandatory thing yeah, in schools which is fantastic yeah uh, how does this element need to come into it if it needs to come into it
2: I think um Schools obviously need education in recognizing this. So if they see, if they identify these issues happening, they need to um, put a safeguarding alert in because I think it is a, it is something that needs to be escalated. Mm. Schools as a single agency can't can't be dealing with it. No. So although you know um, healthy relationships and sexual sexual education is coming is becoming mandatory, that's fantastic. So they can deal with healthy relationship education wise, I suppose, and they can educate young people on uh, consent, which. Definitely needs to happen. Yeah. Um. But if you've got identified these other issues, you need to bring other professionals into it because yeah. it's not something that schools can deal with on their own. So it's training for the uh, for the professionals in the school setting yeah. to be able to
1: teach that, but also to to, to identify, identify, it. yeah. Um, and then for the social worker,
2: yeah, to, so, pick, so, to, to pick to pick it
1: up and, and, all, and also
2: it. and also to identify it and pick it up
1: and uh, see it beyond domestic abuse, yeah, to def- see the honor-based abuse as yeah, well, definitely. So it's about training and awareness Mm -hmm. for Mm
2: -hmm.
1: all professionals at their own level.
2: Yeah, but also, also for for people in the community as well. Um, So a lot of these children will go to after school. uh, You know, they they will go to the mosque um, after school. Yeah. um, And uh, mosques don't just teach. You know, in the in these in these settings, don't just teach the Quran, but they'll teach other um, other aspects of how you become a good. Person, how yeah. you are a good Muslim. Yeah. Um, so I think it's definitely that that needs to happen in those in those settings as well because some of these uh, young men might understand it better in that setting than they would do in a school setting. Yeah. Um, if it comes from um, religious guidance to them. Yeah. Um, and it, and it should be very different. That that religious guidance will then contradict what their own extended family are telling them or mm-hmm. their abusive uh, extended family are telling them mm-hmm. uh, on how you should treat women and how you should respect women mm-hmm. um, so I think it needs to happen in different settings and different scenarios and everybody should be giving the same message Yep. you know because otherwise it's how confusing is that for a young person they're getting told something by their family because they misinterpret religion and culture into something that they want To teach that young person. And use. And and (laughs) use. For their benefit. for their benefit. Yeah. Um, So I think that that scenario, that setting where they go to these after-school clubs, um, the the, the mosques, um, to learn. Something needs to happen there as well. So it's working with strong
1: community members to advocate for those changes in awareness. Yeah. Um, And I think that's the thing I've heard again and again is Mm. we need to separate
2: religion from... That behavior and that, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. because because I think that is where you would reach more more of these young men yeah. than you ever would do in school. Because in school, if you if you if you are doing the healthy education, healthy relationships, it's so what you're telling them there is so different to what they're learning from their home. They yeah. must they must get quite confused. So is this a white Western view? Exactly. Is that, you know which view is, is the right view for me to take on board and for me to under- to follow. Um, so, really, that, that view that's been taught in schools needs to filter down into the, into the mosque or the mother says where, where they're going after school um, to gain that, that religious education.
1: Yeah,
2: sounds good. I think we've covered everything.
1: Brilliant. I think it's a good ending to end on the what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Thank yeah. you for doing it with me. Yeah, good. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Safe Lives Spotlight on honour-based violence and forced marriage, please go to our website, safelives.org.uk, where we'll be uploading new content every week until the 9th of June, each exploring a different aspect of honour-based violence and forced marriage. If you'd like to participate in the discussion, you can join in the live Twitter Q&A conversation on the 8th of June between 10 and 11 a.m. Just go to hashtag #YourChoice.